Hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of A Taste of Meaning. We are in our second episode for the season two. We are joined by a good colleague of Charlie. He is a huge comic book, just expert and fan. You know, honestly, a lot of stuff that we're into, he's probably going to kick our ass in knowledge and like any kind of fun trivia. So, you know, without a doubt, please welcome Adam. Hey, guys. Uh, This is super exciting. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, my name is Adam. Uh, My last name is Daniel, so I have two first names. My middle name is Ryan, spelled with an E. Uh, It's Norwegian. Um, Yeah, so people call me all three. I I get emails that are like, hey, Danny, what are you up to late? And it's like, my name's Adam. Uh, (laughs) And these people have known me for 15 years and still mix up the names. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a comic book fan. I'm here to talk about comics, movies, uh, gaming, whatever you guys want to dive into today. A um, man of three first names. Yeah, yeah. And I'll answer to any of them. You know, I've got a coworker that calls me Ryan. I'm sure I'll go with it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I am mostly Norwegian. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about some, some food today. Um, yeah, where do we want to start, guys? Well, before we dive into the food, I mean, I'm kind of curious, like, uh, how, how did you get Ryan as also a name? Like, you know, well, how did you get your name? Like, I, I always yeah. like to, I'm curious about that for people. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am third generation Norwegian. So I guess my grandmother was the first one born here. Um, and her last name is Ryan. And it comes from a town in Norway, uh, super tiny, but it's, you know, kind of in the back of my mind on a bucket list somewhere I'd like to go. Uh, connect to my roots a little bit. Uh, so yeah, so they gave it to me as a, a middle name. But when you're a kid growing up, I didn't understand the two spellings, you know, so everyone spelled it with an A, right? R-Y-A-N. And I was like, why, why is mine an E? And so I always struggled, like I would just spell it A and my parents would have to correct me and say, no, it's an E. Um, but now I, I love it. Um, like every introduction when you know, I meet someone, I'm like, hey, I'm Adam Ryan Daniels, Ryan's with an E, it's Norwegian, like, it's just part of the, the shtick, you know, um, so I, I think it's, I think it's cool now, but growing up, I was like, I don't, I can't wrap my head around Yeah, this. yeah, no, I love that, because then it, it sort of adds this sort of like another dimension uh, of yourself into that when you're meeting new people now. Yeah, uh, super confusing, there is an actor named Adam Ryan, and it's spelled the same way, Really? Uh, so Ryan, I think is his last name. He was only in one thing ever. Uh, and it was one of the Chucky movies with the oh, dolls. Cool. <laughs> and so he was like a kid in that movie. And so he will probably forever be the first search result that shows up. I just need to become more famous yeah. than that child actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're close to that. I think you're getting to that though. <laughs> we'll see. That's my goal in life is to, you know beat that guy yeah. that's a good aspiration yeah yeah <laughs> cool cool well thanks for sharing that uh so i'd love to just you know go into the food section and you sent over the food i was like oh this is really interesting i've never heard of this before and one it sounds delicious so feel free dive into that yeah so norwegian food um you know norway is primarily like fishing very scandinavian and I don't like fish. <clears throat> so growing up, I was never into the like, um, you know, they pickle a lot of stuff, which is like, you know, soaking it in different liquids and vinegars and mm-hmm. never into that. Not really super into fish, but there's this treat uh, that's called lefsa. And it's essentially a tortilla, but instead of like a, a dough or a flour or corn, 
uh, it's made of potato. So they would kind of ground up potatoes, roll it out really thin, and then you have this circular tortilla. And you can put, uh, you know, some people do savory, where they'll put like mm. cheese and meat and roll it up like a little kind of hors d'oeuvre looking like a flauta. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the way that I grew up with it was just butter and sugar. So it's almost like a, like a toast, you know, like I know people that put sugar on toast, uh, but it's, it's super easy. You just put butter and sugar and then you roll it up and it's just this sweet kind of pastry. And it's like a flaky, like it kind of falls apart. Um, and so growing up, that was always my like, yes, uh, I love this. And I was born in a pretty like Norwegian town. Uh, so I was born in Paulsbo, Washington, which is kind of across the bay from Seattle. Um, and it was like, I guess, where all the Norwegians flocked to when they, you know, immigrated here, mm. that it's their statues and fake boats like built everywhere and everything is like Viking themed. And so there were a bunch of these like Norwegian bakeries, you know, that would make lefsa and you could either buy it there kind of prepared, or you could just buy stacks that you would take home and like, like, we're going to, you know, make butter and sugar. We're going to make sandwiches. We're going to do whatever with. Um, and so as a kid, I just love that. But the problem is I'm not in Paul's, but Washington anymore. <laughs> so in Southern California, it is extremely difficult to find Lefsa. Uh, I looked it up before the show to see if there was a place you could go find some. And there's not really on Yelp. You search for it. And it's like, well, did you mean this right. Middle Eastern yep. bread? Did you mean pita bread? And it's like, no, <laughs> I want potato bread. Where, where do I buy the potato bread? Um, the only place I found is, are either of you familiar with the city Solvang? Yeah, yes. Yes, I used to go there as a kid. <laughs> yep. So it's primarily like Danish, but they do have like Scandinavian bakeries. And one of them had lefsa that you could just, it was like kind of not frozen, but like chilled in a refrigerator. You could buy it, take it home. So we did that. So for like a, a month, we had lefsa and I was like, this is great. The next step, because it's not so easy to find, is I want to learn how to make it. Mm. So there are like kind of flat grills that you can, once you mash up this potato, you can kind of grill these tortillas. Um, but they're not cheap. Uh, so I, you know, want to score one of those and then learn how to, how to use it. Because um, I feel like that, that's something I kind of miss now. Um, my Norwegian side of the family uh, none of them are really with us anymore. And I didn't appreciate it when I was young. I kind of thought the Norwegian culture was kind of corny and they wanted me to do like clogging, you know, mm. and they, they really pushed me, I think, too hard. So when you're a kid, you're like, no way, I'm not going to go do clogging. Uh, but now I have all these questions and I'm like, well, I want to be able to tell my kids, you know, what's, what's Norwegian culture about? So I think you know, learning to make lefts is maybe one of those things that I can pass down and keep that sort of tradition. Um, yeah. Dang. So I'm bummed Everything you, you just put together right there, like literally is what we're all about at a tasted meeting. It's just like, it's that little piece of culture. It's just like, we, we sort of don't think about or overlook as, as a kid growing up. And it's just like, mm -hmm. now, like, how do we bring that forward? How do we bring it up to where they can possibly look and carry on? Mm -hmm. moving forward so, somewhere else you might be able to find left stuff either of you find yourselves there is disney world in, in florida the, uh, epcot like there's like oh. a circle where the different countries have 
little exhibits. Mm. And there is a Norway uh, and they do sell Lefsa. And so I remember, I think I was in high school. I took a trip there uh, and they had it. And so I bought it for everyone that was like in my little group. And I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, so if you're ever at Disney World or Soul Bang, check it out. Okay. Okay. You you brought up a really good point, Adam, about the, like, you're young, so they push the culture on you too hard, which made you, like, want to avoid it because, like, it just it was too overwhelming. I think I, I totally relate to that because growing up, I, because, like, I don't know, wherever I went, I felt like I was always made fun of for being who I was. So I was kind of like, oh, no, I can't. I can't be like that. Like it's, this makes me look lesser than everybody else. But now that I'm older, yeah, I definitely feel like shit. I really messed up like getting away from my heritage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was like, you know, when you're a kid, yeah, they want to push you to it because they understand. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is important. You're going to appreciate this when you're older. And of course, you know, I was in like first grade and I was like looking at their outfits, you know, that are like the big suspenders and clogs mm-hmm. and it was in the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Just way too much. And I was like, no way. But now I'm like, that would have been cool. Mm. You know, and a good, you know, opening remark when you meet someone like, oh yeah, I also know how to clog. Uh, but I missed out on that. Mm. Yeah. I, when, when you're kind of describing um, Lefsa, it, it, it sort of reminded me of even um, sort of like a, a Thai, iteration that, that we also have of that um it's it's called uh loti and it's like uh, kind of the same concept just like a flatbread you know you put it on uh, for us it's like you put it on the stove or you bake it and then it's kind of has a flakiness to it and then for us we put um condensed milk and then sugar on it and oh like i i vividly remember that as a thing that we would have almost like every other night just as dessert mm-hmm. yeah i think most cultures probably have something mm-hmm. using whatever they have in abundance. Yeah. Right. If it is like, we have tons of corn, we're going to make tortillas. Mm-hmm. We have tons of potatoes, mash them up, roll them out. We're using them <laughs> somehow. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of the food part, I, I, I know you mentioned like, you know, there's sort of a, a little bit of connection with Lefsa. Um, was there more that you kind of wanted to share a little bit about that? Or were you kind of feeling like that was just your connection to it? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like an aspirational topic. Yeah. But it's it's something that I wish I had more. Something I wish I understood, like the the culture and how to make it. Um, I think it does connect culturally to, you know, white folks don't always think about their cultures that they're from, which is often why mm. they have that argument of like, why are you bringing race into it, mm. right? Or like, you know, they don't see culture the same way because you know, growing up, they may not think like my culture is German or, you know, Welsh, you know, like they may not be thinking about it. And so like, I'm trying to figure out how to teach my kids that it's not like white culture, but it's Norwegian culture. Like there's Mm -hmm. two different things. Mm -hmm. And you may not think you have a culture, like you may not think what are our, you know, uh, cultural traditions. So I don't want to lose that. And I feel like I lost it a little bit. Um, so I'm trying to think, how do I save that? How do I redeem that tradition? Uh, and then make it okay for people to differentiate those things, right? Uh, I work with student orgs at UCR. And so if someone starts a club, they meet with me and I tell them yes or no. And I tell them how to plan events. And we don't ever see cultural clubs that are 
you know, primarily European or Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I feel like white students don't want to embrace that. You know, like they, they don't want to put on a uh, Norwegian culture show, you know? So I'm trying to figure out how do you, how do you mm-hmm. even tackle that? How do you tell them that that sort of celebration is okay? That's not nationalism. That's not, you know, like, like we don't want a white student center on campus, like I don't understand the role that that would play, but a Norwegian student center or, you know, a French, you know, cultural club, like those are the sorts of things that I think white people in general need to start to differentiate and understand mm-hmm. that those are different things. And um, some of that is okay to celebrate and let's learn about what it's, what it means to be German or, you know, what it means to be Danish. Um, but I, I feel like some of that has been lost. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point um, that you bring up because it's like now it's sort of the how, how do we even have that be the norm of conversations even because I, I was I was in a webinar yesterday and it, it was really interesting just how the person introduced themselves because he mentioned he was from um, Nigeria and um, so he's he's you know misinterpreted sometimes it's like oh I, I'm just black and I'm from the black culture but he was like no like I'm I, I introduce myself and identify myself as I'm black, but I'm Norwegian, but I'm a Nigerian cultured. And I was like, oh, that's, that's excellent. I mean, that's a great way to just put it out there, like for other people to know that there's that distinction and there's that mm-hmm. I- identity that you sort of also want to include as well. Yeah, we got, we got some work to do though. Yeah, yeah. Jumping I, in, I think there's something cool about that. Um, topic you bring up Adam about like white Americans feeling out that they're missing part of culture or with that like with culture being a missing element from their identity I think it's also like so the, this would be a stretch the little like connection trying to make but with, when it comes to like soccer at the international level here in the U.S. it's like it's not that prominent when it comes to the other countries right so like for example for me I feel like I identify more of my Mexican culture because of soccer, right? When it comes to like those international tournaments, you're embracing that like Mexican, like, you know, not nationalism, but like you're going for your team, right? But your team is your country. So when it comes to the US, if you're an American living here and you're, you're white, you're most likely going for the US from a US perspective rather than like going for what your roots may be, whether it be oh, Norwegian or yeah, German. Okay. And so instead of rooting for like Germany or Norway, so I feel like if that was more prominent here in the U.S., where you actually like rooted for your, you know, your roots, the country that your family come from, I feel like that mm-hmm. would embrace more culture and identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious, like what, what are the factors in someone, I want to say like losing that connection, you know, like everyone immigrated here, like, yeah, like why did some people, why did their families stop identifying as German? You know, like, when did that happen? Like, what's, why do they take on the mantle of American? You know, like, and why do they lose that? That's an interesting question. I know, like, in the 1800s, like, Italians and, I, like, Irish, and, like, individuals who came to the U.S. lost out on that because that was seen as something lesser than white because the Irish were too pale. So a lot of Americans would, like, you know, um, see them as lesser. I'm trying, I'm missing out on the word, but same with the Italians, right? Where like they were white but they had an accent mm-hmm. that wasn't prominently american like you can see that on a lot of like tv shows that talk about the late 1800s because um like for example warrior on hbo max it talks about 
San Francisco and with Chinese immigrants. And, you know, it's always cheap labor. That's why they got hired more by Americans for like industrialism compared to the Irish because they're more expensive. But they're both seen as lesser minorities compared to like the Americans that are born and raised there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, talk about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's transition. Um, so I just wanna talk about a, a thing that I enjoy and is not at all tied to my culture. Um, at Taco Bell, uh, I'm a huge Taco Bell fan and I know that's not always a, a positive thing. Um, Taco Bell over Del Taco all day. Yeah, and I just don't talk about because, you know, in, in small town Washington, and then I lived in Oregon for most of my life, uh, Taco Bell is the Mexican food that you know, right? So uh, they have this drink called Baja Blast, and you can only get it at Taco Bell. And it changed me in a lot of ways. And it is uh, just phenomenal. And I love it. And every once in a while, they can it and bottle it and sell it in stores. So maybe like a year ago, this happened. And I saw it in a gas station. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I bought like every bottle I could find. (laughs) Uh, I ordered a bunch on Amazon. So I had cases delivered to where I work, you know, so I could just like load my fridge with Baja Blast. Um, and, And I just love it. And I don't know what it is. But yeah, it just, it gets me. Uh, and then it's coming back to stores now. So if you're listening to this episode, you know, pretty soon to when it airs, um, Baja Blast is coming back to stores and there's multiple flavors. Like Ooh. there's like a, like a pineapple something flavor. Uh, so there's a couple different variations, um, just super refreshing and, and I love it. And so I just wanted to share the gospel of Baja Blast with you guys today. Martina, have you had it? So I'm going to, I'm going to go off on this for a bit because you know i don't eat taco bell i grew up eating del taco Rough. Uh, that was something that my parents enjoyed eating so that was something they considered that was okay for me to eat too i'm like okay cool this is the mexican fast food food like fast food that i can eat um since then taco bell i think is probably the best like marketer in the fast food place i respect their advertising a lot coming from someone who works in advertising but I, I have to say, I've never had a Baja Blast. I've only had like the Doritos Locos Tacos. Hmm. And that's where it stops. Well, when you see it at a gas station or something, <laughs> just know you should, should check it out. And and I I will second Adam on this. I, I wish he wasn't, you know, I, 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 he's not being at all, you know, hyperbolic about this. Like it really is that good. Um, I'm actually curious, have you had the other flavors? No. They, oh, okay. You can buy them because people have them up on eBay already. Uh, so part of me was actually like, like, I can't wait for them to be in stores. Is it worth paying 30 bucks for three bottles? Part of me was, but I don't know if I'm going to like these other flavors. And so mm. I'd rather pay like a buck 99 at you know, the gas station for them. Yeah. So I haven't tried the new ones. Okay. It's essentially a slushy, right? No, it's, it's it's soda. It's soda consistency, mm-hmm. okay. um, but just the flavor is like like a tropical, um, like refreshing. Maybe like some mint. I, I don't know what the fruits are, but there's okay. some sort of fruity concoction. Um, and then what you're thinking is they do have a Baja Blast kind of Slurpee or Freezy or something. Oh. It's called so they do 
sell that, but it's just flavored on the soda. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I will say, as I don't drink soda, maybe that's the reason why I never want to order it. Oh. I'm I'm very simple with my drinks. It's either water or protein milk. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's not really like either of those. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I some say, people. Hmm. The closest thing I could think of, and this is what I like the first thing that I felt like I tasted close to uh, with Baja Blast. I thought of it as like a carbonated, um, uh, like bl- like a light blue Gatorade. So there's a Gatorade flavor called Glacier Freeze that I really like. And I just, I don't know, it reminded me like a, a carbonated version of that. Yeah, it does taste more like a like an energy drink or like a Gatorade mm-hmm. than it does mm-hmm. like a soda. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not thick. Like some people don't like Coke and Pepsi because it like coats your mouth and your teeth and you're like, why am I drinking this? This does not have that sort of uh, right texture to it. So interesting. I'm really different. I don't drink Gatorade either. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying yeah. I'm, just, I'm dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's your preference. <laughs> well, that was a good chunk of time spent on Baja Blast, and I'm not mad about it at all. <laughs> okay, so going into our next topic, um, really, you know, one of the big things that I do know about you is that you have your YouTube channel, and I, I'm definitely really curious, like, how you, you started it, like, what sort of inspired you to do that, and also going into some of the different, like, topics that you go into for that. Yeah, so I probably should have said this in my introduction because people are like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Um, so my side gig when I'm not in my eight to five job uh, is running a YouTube channel called I Am Your Target Demographic. Um, so IAYTD is what I call it for short. Uh, you can follow on any socials, look up IAYTD and you'll find me. Um, it started probably about six or seven years ago now. And I had no aspiration to be a YouTube star. Like I was not thinking about this being a real thing, but I found myself explaining facets of nerd culture to people. You know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was just getting off the ground and everyone was now a fan of these characters that, you know, me reading comic books, I'd known about Captain America and Iron Man since I was a kid, but everyone else was like, wait, who is Captain America? What is this? Like, what's, what's going on? And they now cared about this thing that I had a lifetime of knowledge, right? I had all this, like, I couldn't contain myself. I was like, let me tell you about this arc and this arc. And here's what I hope they do with Bucky after this. And I was so excited. And so I found myself explaining this to everyone that I was like, okay, Winter Soldier is about to come out and here's why you need to pay attention to this. And here's what could happen. But I was starting to get drained because I was doing this feel over and over. So I made a video explaining, here's what you need to know about Captain America Winter Soldier was the premise. And I was like, I'm going to make this video and I'm going to share with everyone that asks and maybe they'll share it with their friends so that they can go into this movie. You know, maybe they didn't see the first Avengers or they, did, they missed the first Captain America. What do they need to know? What could happen? And you know, I kind of posted it just for people that I knew and it, it kind of blew up. I mean, when I say blow up, I mean like hundreds, you know, and when you start a YouTube channel, you're lucky if you get any views. <laughs> so hundreds of people were like, this is a great video. And I was like, well, what else could I explain to people? Right. So I started thinking about, you know, they just announced 15 Marvel movies that are going to come out. 
no one knows who the heck the Guardians of the Galaxy are. No one knows these characters. No one understands why this end credit scene is so important, right? And so I was like, what could I, what sort of knowledge do I have that I can explain this to people? So I started cranking out these videos um, and it, it kind of snowballed. And my first video to hit a million views was talking about Infinity War because the, the uh, directors did an interview and they made this offhanded comment like there's, you know, 68 characters that appear in Infinity War. That's how big the movie's going to be. And then they left it. I was like, let's try to pinpoint those 68 people. Mm. So I made this video and here's who I think and here's why the Inhumans might be in it. And gosh, was I wrong about that? <laughs> you know, I made this, this prediction video and people love prediction videos. Mm. You know, people love like, could this theory be true? You know, so those videos went wild. Um, I remember thinking for a long time, Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, you didn't know who his dad was, right? Until the second one. And I had this wild theory that I was like, what if it was Loki, you know, traveling around and just doing it with whoever, wherever, and maybe he's Star-Lord's dad. And that's why he's like kind of magical. So I made this video, you know, it has like a hundred thousand views now, you know, cause people love to theorize. They love mm -hmm. to discuss and they love to debate, you know, so the comments are often you are absolutely wrong. Um, and you just kind of get used to that. We can talk about comments here in a second. Um, yeah, and so I started, you know, doing history of comic books and, you know, different arcs and here's what this means. And then I started branching out and, you know, I love movies. And so I started doing videos about, you know, here's five time travel movies you need to see if you like this, here's what you should watch. Um, I started doing, um, Kind of a series that applies to what we were just talking about about representation in comic books mm. probably my favorite series um i try not to have a favorite but this is my favorite so it's called heroes like us where i hear all the time you know like i'm uh you know i'm norwegian and i wish i saw more norwegian superheroes someone would say so i was like i'm gonna break down identities and then share who the characters are that are out there. So, mm. you know, if I was African-American and I'm going to a convention and I'm like, who could I cosplay as? Or what characters do I want to share with my kids uh, so that they see themselves in comic books? So I started making it easy for people and saying like, okay, here's, you know, here's Mexican characters. Here's Indian characters. Here's this. Uh, I've got about, I think there's about 70 of these videos up right now. Mm. Uh, and it, it isn't just like a nationality or ethnicity, but it's also here's characters that struggle with PTSD. Mm. Here's characters that exist on the autistic spectrum. Here's characters, you know, and, you know, served in the military. Like there's all sorts of other identities that people have and they just want to see themselves. And all of those videos, even if they don't get a lot of views, the people in the comments are amazing because they're like, you know, I am Indian and I didn't know that there were any Marvel mm. characters. And now after watching this, I'm going to check out this book or I'm excited for, you know, I'm Puerto Rican and I just saw that this movie with Miles Morales is coming out and I didn't know he was Puerto Rican. And so now I'm excited about that. Uh, and so people get, get jazzed about this. Um, the downside is that there's a, fi a finite amount of these characters. 
mm. that eventually I've, I've hit the end on some of these where that's frustrating because I want to keep people being excited about that, but I have to tell them, sorry, there are no characters that are from Belgium, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, like, sorry, the only character from Guatemala is on this one page and here's a, a scanned photo that I could find of him and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is also pointing out maybe that lack of representation that, you know, there are some populations that it is really difficult to see in comic books and that there isn't a superhero from the place that you identify so strongly with. Uh, like Charlie, you're Thai, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I looked up Thai and I couldn't find hardly any. I might've found like one, which isn't enough to do a whole video, right? And so it's frustrating. Yeah. It's like, like, I want to showcase characters, but the characters aren't there. Yeah. Um, so the videos did evolve a little bit because there's more than just these big two, right? There's more than just Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, I do stumble upon some amazing, like lesser known indie titles where you can buy this, you know, graphic novel of this character, um, you know, this Muslim superhero, mm-hmm. like it's not in Marvel or DC, but if you want to support that and tell the big two that they're, you know, people want these stories, here's where you can buy that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really fun to kind of showcase those lesser known titles um, and support, you know, indie comics that, you know, I'll tag the creator on Twitter and say like, hey, here's a story by this guy. And they actually retweet it and like it, respond and, you know, will message and say, thanks for this. Um, I think they appreciate it more than, you know, the big creators that my, you know, tagging them on Twitter is going to get lost in their sea of, of notifications. <laughs> but these small creators that put their sweat and blood into a project and they're like, you know, I'm going to create um, this character because this is what I want to see. This is who I want to see represented. And then to see like, let me shine a light on that. You know, I have the privilege of, I have about 67,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So if I can expose those people to like, here's a new story, um, you know, about a Mexican hero that maybe you want to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can do that and give them some attention and maybe some people buy their book, um, that's the least I can do, right? And so I really love that series, but it is it is frustrating when there's that lack of representation. Yeah. Um, another thing that's, sorry to be on a soapbox here, uh, another thing that's sometimes upsetting is the people writing these characters aren't always that identity. So there are times where, you know, here's a Puerto Rican character that is not at all acting like a a Puerto Rican character would that, you know, it's like, well, like that party they went to is how a Mexican party would look like, or like they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, One of the biggest examples is there's a Vietnamese character. She's like in the X-Men and they gave her a name that literally does not exist. And like, like, that's not a Vietnamese name. Like it couldn't, it has like a, you know, a um, comma or a oh. apostrophe in it. Oh, okay. And they're like, that's not a, like they stole that from some other, you know, regional, something. it was not Vietnamese. And so they tried, but like you had to, you got to get creators that understand that identity, that are that identity to create characters that are authentic mm-hmm. uh, instead of, you know, and this is what people complain about. Like they're just trying to create characters of color uh, and it might be pandering 
And sometimes that's definitely the case where like you didn't know what you were doing. So we would have been better off if you just didn't, right? Like, or hire someone that is Vietnamese to create this character. Um, so that too can, can be tough. Yeah, that in a way that reminded me of just sort of the, the challenges sometimes with even organizations or, or, or places of work that sort of promote like, oh, we're all about diversity and inclusion and equity and all that stuff. But what does that really mean? Is it like, oh, you just sort of want to check check a box and you just want to make sure like people are there who are of that. But once you have that, what are you going to do? You know, are you then going to sort of push that agenda further and create like, you know, a culture that is of that and developing more for that? You know, it's just, it's sad, you know, that that's mm-hmm. sort of the, you know, a checkbox kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, do you know the character Miss Marvel? Yes. Uh, yeah. So she's, she's big. She was just in like the Avengers video game. She was kind mm-hmm. of the star of that. Um, and they just announced that the first uh, Pakistani woman is going to be writing that series. And uh, Kamala is Pakistani. Mm-hmm. It's like for years, you didn't have anyone of her ethnicity writing those stories. You know, it's like they, they celebrate like the first mm-hmm. and we shouldn't be celebrating. We should be saying, why did it take, yeah. you know, she's been in print for 10 years. Why, why did this never cross your mind before? And it also sucks too when you finally have these characters of color being represented, but then they flop, not because they flop because they're bad, but because they're poorly written. Because like you said, the people writing, creating the details mm-hmm. for this character don't actually understand this, the source of what mm-hmm. they're doing. Yep. Yeah, it can be frustrating, but I think we have to vote with our dollars, right? We have to show, mm-hmm. you know, especially when Marvel or DC takes a chance and they say like, here's a character like if you want positive change, you should support those projects that hopefully mm-hmm. will get, you know, writers and, and you know, a staff that uh, maybe have that identity or, you know, like we still have to support them. It's, it's tough. Like even if yeah. the project's bad, you're no, like, totally. I, I want to vote for more motion in this direction, mm-hmm. yeah. but you kind of miss the, miss the ball on this one. No, um, of course. And like, that's it, it expands to the success for Black Panther because if it wasn't for the big box office, you know, like crazy haul it had, we wouldn't be getting Shang-Chi in September and we wouldn't be getting Miss Marvel on Disney Plus next year or whatever next, right? Like you need to, sh- like you need to prove to those big movie studios that like, okay, yes, we can do a story for, so- for someone who's underrepresented and also profit from it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take a loss to like share these stories. And same with Crazy Rich Asians. Like it was a big box office hit. It just shows you can continue making titles like this and make mm-hmm. money as well. Yeah. The bummer is if Black Panther didn't do yeah, well. Yeah. If it if it didn't do well, yeah. that would have been. We wouldn't be seeing those stories anymore. Right. No. But yeah. when Thor The Dark World doesn't do too <laughs> great, that doesn't mean like no more white guy movies. No like, facts. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is something we did in the podcast before, Charlie, but true that like you have a person that, you have a film with a minority. If it flops, oh, see, it proves they're not good enough. But for the thousandth movie that same year of a buddy cop or like, mm-hmm. you know, best friend who's trying to get a girl but doesn't get the girl, etc. flops. It's kind of like, let's try again next year. It's kind of like, yeah, okay. yeah, it can be it can be frustrating. So, but it is exciting. Like you said, like Shang-Chi, I'm super excited mm-hmm. about. I think the Miss Marvel show hopefully is really good. Yeah. Um, so I think we're, we're making progress, um, but it, it just sucks that we have to be so careful. 
yeah. right? That has to be like, this has to be the best show ever, or we're not going to get anything like this again. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a pretty high expectation and pressure to have to meet. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that was my <laughs> about my channel and where we are now. Um, Four videos with over 1 million views, 67K subscribers on YouTube. Pretty good, a couple hundred, couple thousands on the social medias. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're making following. your case for sure to, to beat the other Adam Ryan, so yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to talk about maybe the, the videos that have hit over a million are really interesting. Um, and Dante Inferno. Yeah, they're they're so different um, mm -hmm. that you know that that video I talked about for Marvel, like Infinity War, is the only comic book video that really did that well. Um, the other ones, yeah, there's one that's an outline of Dante's Inferno, um, and it's a three part, so it covers the other two parts of the poem too uh, that people don't often look into. Um, I figure most of that success is from like high school kids that are you know doing a project. <laughs> and they, they don't understand it. They're not reading it, you know, and so they watch this Cliff Notes version, right? Um, I, I figure that's a lot of them. And then another video is Seven Wonders of the World. Um, mm. And so, you know, showing off what are the original seven, which are all like kind of ancient Greek and like uh, super, super old. But just talking about those and a lot of people in the comments are saying like, I'm at school right now. and <laughs> Like this is helping me. So again, I think it's homework. Um, but those videos are not alike, right? One's literature, one's like world travel. There's one about comic books. And then the fourth one was a complete, complete accident. Uh, I was like, what sort of topics could I cover? I was running out of comic book stuff that someone else wasn't already covering. You know, that's a very, um, there's a lot of comic book YouTubers. And so I was like, like, I don't want to just make videos to make videos. So I was like, I'm going to cover Scientology because everyone's like, what? is that right like what is scientology it has nothing to do with science so i made a video outlining what it was and like including like interview clips and yeah now it's over a million views um i was a little worried because some of the stories i talk about are like you know people disappearing and you know they uh kind of make people stop uh talking negative about them and when this started to get traction i was like oh crap like like, am I going to disappear one day? Like, oh. uh, like what's going to happen? But uh. no, one's, no one's come to my door yet. So You're still here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then that kind of triggered other religions. And so I have videos about like, what is Buddhism? What is Catholicism? Uh, Latter-day Saints, like so, so Mormonism is a big mm -hmm. one. Um, and I think it's important too. I don't talk about them from my perspective, but I find people in those faiths to like, Hey, can you help me? You know, I maybe do the, the first 75%. I found all these stats and figures and here's the history, but you, you are Buddhist. Can you look at this and tell me, mm. is this right? Like, what am I off base about? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's been really important because then the comments aren't you're so wrong. The comments are, thank you for being respectful. And like, this is totally on base. Like, thanks for, for doing this. Um, I think Scientology was maybe the only one that I wasn't uh, very pro, you know, that religion. Like I was, I was pretty like honest about like, here's the sort of stuff going on with them. But every other one, you know, I try to be pretty like uh, factual, you know, about like, what do Latter-day Saints believe? You know, here's their, their core tenants and here's, you know, videos of their, you know, different houses of worship and here's what that looks like. And 
Uh, my most recent one is Islam, which I was, I was like, is this gonna, you know, get a, a bunch of hate? But people have been really positive. Like a lot of people are saying, this is, this is great. I wish more people would watch this. I'm gonna share this with people. Um, so I, th I think that's what I'm trying to do, right? Is educate people on, they're gonna go to YouTube and search what is whatever. And I wanna be the first result. And so I think my most successful videos are, what is, what is Scientology? What is Dante's Inferno? What is this thing? Uh, and so I've got, I think I'm over 600 videos now. Hmm. And most of them are just explaining, here's a topic, here's a term, here's something that like, you don't think you're using uh, the phrase gatekeeping, right? So let me explain it and outline what that means so you can be more educated and informed. And um, so I think I've kind of found my, my niche, right? Like, I think I'm, I'm teaching people and educating that balances you know, things I'm good at and explaining that and then topics I'm interested in and video games and all sorts of things I can teach people. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I can imagine that sort of took some time to be able to think through, create. Um, so, I mean, for, for those people who are looking to kind of start something, you know, of that they're interested in, like, what would be some of your tips? Yeah. So I get this a lot because people are like, I want to start a channel especially people in real life, I'll get like coworkers, I'll get relatives and they'll say, you know, you, you have a, a big following on YouTube. How do I get a following? And I would say you need to have like 20 videos figured out before you start. Cause you can't just make one video and be like, I'm going to have a YouTube channel. They make one video and then it flops and they're going to be frustrated. And they're like, well, I didn't make it right. So you need to think about the long game you need to have topics. You need to have like, what is your, what is your thing? And how is that different than the millions of other creators on YouTube, right? If my thing is educating and trying to like teach people something, when I put out a video about Minecraft, that's how it's going to stand out. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is putting out videos. Here's my thing I built in Minecraft, or here's me live streaming, right? Like they're just some, um, you know, streaming games. But when I put out a video about Minecraft, it's like, this is for parents. This is for friends. This is for people that are like, I don't know what this is. So I'm going to go to YouTube and someone's going to explain it to me. And I'm going to be the first result. Um, so I think you just have to find what's, what's your thing. If you go in and say, I want to be a game streamer, there's millions. Like, what are you going to do that isn't already being done? Or how are you going to do it better than what's being done? Um, like an audience isn't just going to find you and follow you, right? You need that special something, that special angle. Just everything is so overpopulated on YouTube that it's like, like, what are you going to do that's going to be different? Um, yeah. And it is a lot of work. I think people assume that YouTube creators are like, have it easy, right? They're like, oh, I'm just going to be a YouTuber. And it's like, I spend so much time like, not even just writing scripts, but like, okay, I have to create thumbnails. I have to think of like what search terms are people going to use to find this uh, editing, you know, like if you're not a good video editor, people are going to turn off your video in like five seconds. They're going to be like, nope, next. Right. So you need to have a high quality product and it just takes a long, long time. And so people need to be able to, they're, they're going to have to put in that work um, and then not see rewards for a long time. You know, like it, it took me probably three or four years for, you know, my first video to get 
yeah, to like a million. Um, so you have to be willing to wait, you know, and, and put out quality content constantly to be rewarded. Good tips. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely know a lot of, uh, kids and teens who aspire for something like that. So I think that's a great way to at least give them the realistic take of it. Um, that it's not just going to grow overnight. Um, so yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. So I, I know for you, you know, you, you also do, uh, movie reviews on your uh, social medias. Um, and I think this could be a good way to sort of tie in, um, sort of what are, you know, who, how, what is some of the things that you've done and kind of led to your credibility when you've sort of met and interviewed some famous people that you could talk about as well? Yeah. Um, so I see a lot of movies. Uh, I've been watching movies since I was a kid before I had a YouTube channel, um, so on my socials, um, most of what I post is movie reviews. Um, before the pandemic, I was seeing about 70, 80 movies a year in theaters. Um, so like every weekend, you're seeing at least one or two. Um, I was a big fan of MoviePass back in the day because that was like game changing, mm -hmm. where it was like a monthly fee and you can see as many movies as you want. It's not surprising that company went out of business, <laughs> um, but because of what they did, it set the stage for now, like AMC has a program called A-List, where for 20 bucks a month, I can see three movies a week. Uh, this is not sponsored by AMC, but it's a killer deal, right? And you're like- Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to see two movies a month and that pays for it, right? And so as mm -hmm. long as you're seeing more than that, you're, you're getting your money's worth. Um, so I see a lot. So I review them um, and then I make videos about them and that kind of led to the YouTube creation. And then uh, my coworkers at UC Riverside knew that I did this. They knew this was my side gig and I was getting some popularity on YouTube. Uh, so the first time they asked me to interview someone in front of a live audience for like a big event was an actor named Jose Pablo Cantillo. And I thought it was huge. I was so nervous about this, but he was in like a couple episodes of The Walking Dead and uh, the movie Chappie about like the little robot guy, mm -hmm. like not a huge name, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is my big break. So I interviewed him, went well. The next year, uh, they brought out the cast of Bob's Burgers to campus. So two of the leads, uh, the voice of Tina and the voice of Bob, came to campus and they're like, hey, Adam, can you interview them in front of 500 people? And I was like, sure, sure. Uh, great guys went well. That same year, they were like, we're bringing Max Greenfield from The New Girl. Uh, and he was, New Girl just ended and he was about to start a show called The Neighborhood, which is actually really funny. I enjoy The Neighborhood a lot. It's a good show. Um, so I interviewed him, super cool guy. Uh, and this is like me and him sitting in a green room waiting backstage for, you know, the, the event to start. It's, it's nerve wracking. Just like, what do you talk to this guy about? You know, I had just binged however many seasons of new girl to prepare for this. And now he's like sitting here next to me, like, <laughs> you know, uh, I think the election was happening. And so I was like, so how about Trump? <laughs> I was like, uh, like, what do you talk about? Um, and then the world shut down. Right. And we're now in a global pandemic. And what that meant for my coworkers that do these events is we no longer have to fly people out. We don't have to pay for hotels. We don't, you know, someone huge can be interviewed from their home, you know, and just spend an hour and get a huge paycheck. So they first invited Brie Larson, who 
I spent weeks just sweating about how nervous I was about this interview, like Academy Award winning, right? Captain Marvel, like huge. Um, and I was so nervous, but it was easier because it was through a computer screen where I didn't see the 500 people watching and I wasn't trying to make small talk with Brie Larson for an hour in a green room, you know, like it was just, you know, it's Zoom, right? So the meeting opens, she pops up and I say, hey, Brie, what's your favorite memory of filming Captain Marvel? <laughs> you know, like it was very scripted and, you know, it was so much easier than in person. And then weeks later, just weeks later, they said, hey, we're also bringing Sebastian Stan. Would you like to do it? And they gave me like three days notice. And they were like, yeah, come up with some questions and then just you'll interview him, it'll be fine. I had no idea how much people loved Sebastian Stan. Mm -hmm. Brie Larson was big. People were like, yeah, Sebastian Stan. I posted on Twitter. I was like, hey, I'm interviewing Sebastian Stan. And it got like 2000 retweets from crazy like Sebastian Stan fan sites and like people that were just like, their username was like, Sebastian Stan. Stans. Yeah, about, yeah right. Like, <laughs> like, uh, Bucky and Falcon lover, you know, 21. <laughs> like, it was just crazy. And it was just like a random tweet. I didn't hashtag anything. I didn't tag anyone. Like they are just searching for those keywords. And it just got wild. And they were like commenting. They're like, how do I go? And I was like, it's not for you. Like it's for students. I go to this university. How do I enroll right now? I'll pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. They were like, I'll pay someone for their login. Um, and then someone made a, a comment. They were like, I hope this isn't another Stanford. And it was like, what happened at Stanford? Like, oh, no. like <laughs> some sort of Sebastian Stan incident happened at Stanford uh, where I don't know if people showed up and they weren't allowed to, oh. or I don't know what happened. But it was wild. Like he has such a rabid fan base that was like. So you're saying a Sebastian Stan Stan invaded him at Stanford? Yeah. Yeah. How, how far are we going to take this? <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. Um, so, so yeah. So I kind of leaned into that and I was like, ooh, like I posted more about that interview than I would normally post about something. So I was like, Sebastian Stan tomorrow. And then just watch the retweets mm. go crazy. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It'll be different now because we're going to go back and they're not going to be able to afford Sebastian Stan anymore. Uh, so I think this is probably the peak until I get like a legit job where I'm like on the red carpet of Avengers 5 interviewing people. Um, and I can't really share a lot of them. Like this, these weren't press events. So like none of these are even on my YouTube channel. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm excited for what doors that might open someday that someone was like, hey, you already interviewed these huge names come over here and do this. Um, so yeah, super, super exciting. That's so cool. I mean, is, is it arrogant that I say, hey, next year, a taste of meaning, ha <laughs> 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 ha, interview us. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yep. We're just we'll trying to build up. <laughs> just trying to leech on guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I would say we have maybe a couple of topics left. Uh, so one of the areas that like uh, you and I have really sort of, um, sort of I've connected with you a lot and, and sort of we sort of grew our, our you know um, relationship a, little, a lot more was through uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons and D&D and, and I think it's been cool because like I've never been exposed to something like that even growing up I um, mean the closest thing I would say is playing like role-playing games like video games um, but you know share a little bit about like what 
you know, sort of D and D is for you and, and also like, you know, what else have you done adjacent to that as well? Yeah. 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 Um, D and D is interesting. Uh, cause I think I was exposed really early. I remember being in like first grade and I had a friend that I think his older brother played. And it was like a really, like, it was like the first version of D and D and it was like an old black and white book. And he was like, check this out. Like almost like it was a taboo thing. Uh, cause back then, you know, in, in like the eighties, it was like, the devil is in charge of this. And you know, there's, um, it was like this witchcraft sort of thing. And so I think it was a taboo, like with Dungeons and Dragons. And we didn't play or anything, but I was like, oh, this is, this is a thing, right? And then growing up, I was super into Lord of the Rings and other kind of high fantasy stuff. And like any book series, I was into like uh, Piers Anthony and like uh, Game of Thrones um you know lord of the rings and hobbits Silmarillion, and like i was into all, anything fantasy i was super into and so gosh what was it maybe five six years ago i started um listening to D podcasts actually those are the first podcasts i got into like i, I think i just wanted to hear people play D. so i started listening to um acquisitions incorporated which is like a pax like tied to the, the conference mm. pax um and then something called the adventure zone uh, so i started listening to these like D podcasts no one to play with right i'm just like listening and then finally uh our mutual friend robert said hey i'm gonna i'm gonna lead a game of D for people that work at the university and after hours want to like have some fun and try this out and at that point i had built up like for years, I've been listening to it, learning about it. Like I was buying books, even though I was not playing. Um, and I was like, we, we get the chance to play. And I was super excited. Parallel to all this, I've also been painting. So um, it started with a game called Warhammer. Do either of you guys know that, that yep. name? Okay, so Warhammer is like a, it's a mix between a board game and role playing. Like you're not really role playing and you're not really playing a board game. It's like a, like a tabletop war game mm-hmm. kind of scenario where you like you have measuring tapes and you're saying like this ship is going to go here and attack this um and so i got into warhammer uh and you paint a lot in warhammer where you say like this is my dragon and i'm going to spend 40 hours painting this to look the way that i want it to look but i was not you know playing those games i was just painting and it's mm-hmm. therapeutic and like i'll put on a podcast and just paint for a couple hours so when our mutual friend Robert said, you know, we're going to play D&D, I said, oh my gosh, I've got cupboards of models and miniatures and like, what do you need? I'm going to paint them up. Uh, and so I got kind of, kind of back into that hobby really seriously. And I've now got a, a room that's pretty much a storage for just shelves of, of miniatures and models that I paint. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a, a separate Instagram account just for painting. So IAYTD is my entertainment one. And then IAYTD painting is where I keep photos of my different miniatures and models I paint. Uh, I'm not great, uh, but it's fun and it's interesting and I like doing it. And um, it's cool to paint something that you then in the game, you know, Robert will say, you walk into this room and here's a dragon and I'll put down something that I spent, you know, 30 hours painting and everyone around the table is like, holy crap, that looks awesome you know, it's, it's so much more impactful than here's, you know, like when you buy a board game and all the pieces are not painted, 
yeah. and you say this is a dragon and it's like gray just solid <laughs> you know or it's like <laughs> like sometimes they're like weird it's like it's blue or it's red and it's just a solid color and i'm like that's not that doesn't scare me that doesn't excite me like i want the table to feel like i can see myself in there i can see what's going on i can see how far things are from each other um i've also gotten into like uh the terrain so mm. i want the table to look like if we're in the forest, I'm putting trees down. I'm putting like, I want this to be immersive. Um, and so I think D&D kind of uh, ties all those things together. Um, and it's much more affordable. Uh, games like Warhammer are, you're going to buy a model for like 40 bucks and you need hundreds of them to play a game like that. Where D&D, it's like, I can buy a dragon for 40, but that's the only thing I need, you know, for this encounter, this battle. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think it, it meshes my interests well, and I'm super excited to be into it now. I listen to more podcasts than I have time for. You know, I'm like following like five different stories that I'm like, I wish I wish I had Mondays off where I could just listen back to back to all the new episodes that week. Um, and then I'm preparing, I'm kind of learning from Robert and his way to kind of tell the story to hopefully eventually lead my own campaign. And so I'm kind of doing world building. And as I'm painting these miniatures I'm piecing them together like okay this would be with this and you know this dragon goes with this and whatever you know I'm creating kind of scenarios and encounters and um but it's one of those things I think I'm gonna plot and plan for years before I actually sat down at a table and lead people through that adventure but hey when that happens hit me up because I will gladly be down to join that yeah yeah oh boy we went through a lot today and um, I, I think, you know, a good way to sort of bring this all together, because I mean, it, you sort of mentioned a little bit of it, like how sort of like D&D, it, it has sort of these like built out worlds and, and built out aspects where you're, you're interacting and, and it's sort of, it's like a lived experience in a way. So like, um, did that come from just like that enjoyment do you see it similar to like video games or do you see it differently um in in any sort of way because i know you mentioned you play a lot of video games too yeah i mean i think it's i think it's similar um video games are just much more bound by what the creator creates for you right they put this hallway down you can't veer off that hallway um they're much more linear even open world games are like you can't go into every building you can't do everything you want to do where D&D is much more about the imagination. And, you know, this, uh, if we were playing a first person shooter, I couldn't decide, like, I just want to pick up this, you know, ax on the ground and attack a guy. It's like, no, this is a shooting game. Where in D&D, you're like, I want to pick up this bar stool. I don't want to smash it on a guy. You know, it's, it just gives you freedom and flexibility. And um, it's just, I think, much more utilizes your imagination in really exciting ways. And I've always been a really imaginative person and um you know I've written stories and novels I wrote a novel when I was in like junior high it was like 900 something pages Hmm. trash horrible (laughs) (laughs) but there's so many like creative ideas that I was just so excited about that I I wrote this huge epic thing even though it's like very elementary style writing I'm not going to show it to anyone um are you so not going to publish think, it one day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe as a joke for free as like a PDF somewhere. Um, <laughs> but I think this just meshes all that and allows you the, you know, either as a, a dungeon master or game master or as a player, you just have that creativity and it's just so exciting and refreshing. And um, 
I think the past year or so that we've been playing this game together has been really exciting. And um, it kind of bums me out that it took this long, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm a grown adult and I, I wasted years not playing D and D you know, there were people in, in my college that played and I was always like interested, but never enough to say anything. And I'm like, I could have started this like 15 years ago and, oh, you know, it, it kind of frustrates me, but yeah. I'm going to be a super cool old guy that's like super into like video games and Dungeons and Dragons and like just, you know, I'll be 80, but like I got a game tonight and super excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll relate to the, to the kids uh, for sure. <laughs> okay, so I'll... I definitely want to uh, first off just sort of thank you for for all, for this. Um, but I, I would it wouldn't I want to sort of throw on a topic to kind of finish this off for for our viewers uh, for our listeners to be able to kind of get uh, get a sense of what they can sort of look forward to that you would recommend for them. So um, I, I definitely wanted to kind of build off of you know everything we've talked about. So you know what would be sort of your top movie game and television show and a little bit about why yeah uh i'm gonna say these are my top in terms of things that i enjoyed but i'm not necessarily saying these are the best like i don't think this is like the best movie but it's my favorite movie okay so i'm gonna start with movie um there is a will ferrell movie called stranger than fiction have either of you heard of this fantastic movie i haven't yeah so let me sell you on this um so it's will ferrell and he is not the funny person (laughs) (laughs) he's he's not the funny one in this movie right so it's not really like a hardcore comedy but there are funny parts he's a guy who hears a voice that turns out to be the narrator or you know the author who's writing his life story so he hears this narration as he's brushing his teeth he hears this voice like Every day, Harold brushes his teeth and he's like, what the heck? And he hears these voices and the author writing his story is now contemplating how to kill him off at the end of the story. Mm -hmm. So he has to find this person that's writing his life and convince them to not kill him. It's super interesting. Uh, It's got like Dustin Hoffman, Queen Latifah, uh, Emma Thompson. Um, Yeah, it's just really interesting. I think because I enjoy writing, I was a creative writing major mm. and I enjoy film that a movie that's so much about what would it be like if one of your characters knew that they were in a book? Um, it is funny and quirky, um, but it's definitely not typical Will Ferrell, right? Yes. It's not, it's not raunchy. It's not kind of over the top. It's just this guy, this poor guy that, you know, is hearing different ways that he might be killed off and like racing against time. So I think it's a really fascinating movie. Um, let's do TV show next. Um, so my favorite TV show of all time is Lost. I knew it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lost is uh, divisive. A lot of people think it ended horribly. I think it was beautiful and ended perfectly. Um, they were not dead the whole time. Some people immediately, they're like, oh, they were just dead. And it's like, you don't understand the show. Like, like you didn't, you weren't paying attention. Um, but Lost is... Um, complicated and when I first watched it I was in college and we watched it week to week and you had a week to sit with theories and what you think is happening and like 
what is going on. And I think we lose that when you start to binge watch shows. Right, right. Um, like I really love like the Disney plus Marvel shows right now where you have a week to think about mm-hmm. like, what did Loki mean when he said this? As opposed to, I watched all six episodes today done, right? Like how much can you really think about it? Where Lost at the time was like, I had a whiteboard that I was keeping notes and like tracking what was happening when. And um, I mean, it started when I was in college, but then I remember when I started working at UCR, it was kind of finishing like the last couple seasons. And we would meet every day when the show was over, you know, like the Wednesday after it aired on Tuesdays or whatever. And we would theorize and we would draw diagrams and like, okay, I think the orchid station means this and here's why they need to go here. And mm-hmm. it's just complicated in a lot of really interesting ways. I do, uh, I will say that not every mystery unravels in a satisfactory way. Uh, there are some things that you don't really get clear answers. That's, yeah. Um, but I think the, the last episode is beautiful and um, my interest in spirituality and religion, I think helps with that because it's very, um, kind of like metaphorical. Mm. Um, and so I, th- I think it ended beautifully. Um, but I would say if you watch it, if you've never seen it, don't binge through it quickly, like take your time, think about it, you know, do an episode at a time, spread it out. Um, cause it's, you just lose a lot when you hurry through it. Yeah, but, but I would say Lost is probably one of my favorites. Um, and then video games. So I play a lot of games. I am not into multiplayer games uh, because I suck. So I'm, I'm not playing shooters, really. I'm not playing um, like uh, Fortnite or whatever the kids are doing these days. Um, I'm really big into hefty, long single player experiences. Um, so like Assassin's Creed is a big mm. one for me. So I play all those games. Um, I spent about 140 hours in Valhalla, which is the most recent game. Um, I think because it was Scandinavian and I could kind of like explore Norway in a very interesting way. So I loved that. Um, but my, my go-to is a game called Dragon Age, uh, oh. which is again, high fantasy, right? So very, yeah. uh, very Lord of the Rings kind of elves and dwarves. Uh, the first Dragon Age is called Origins, and it came out, I think, on PS3 is where I played it. And what made it different is you make choices in your character that you create, right? So you say, I'm a dwarf and I'm in the city. That's going to be very different than if I said I'm a man and I'm a noble, right? And so there's different arcs that start you in different places and different storylines where usually those sort of choices are purely cosmetic, right? Like I'm going to be an elf and that means nothing, maybe a stat boost in something like it doesn't mean anything where origins literally had different origins for those characters. That's why it was called that. Mm. Um, and then it was a huge game that you would spend a hundred hours, you know, going around exploring. And there were uh, dark, complicated stories. Uh, it wasn't fluffy fantasy. It was very much like blood magic and, you know, wizards that are doing things mm. that are horrible and demons and like very dark um, but I was, I was fascinated by it and I've loved every Dragon Age game since, um, I know people are very mixed on them, but each one I thought was really interesting and cool. Uh, so I am, uh, I'm very excited for the fourth one, which they've shown clips and pictures, but it hasn't come out yet. And they don't even have a title for it that's been released. Uh, but I'm excited to spend hundreds of hours when it, when it comes out. So those are the sorts of games I play. Um, 
yeah, not not big into multiplayer where I'm going to get killed by a 14 year old. You know, like I want to I want to play my story uh, without the intrusion of other people. Got it. Okay. Ah, cool. Thank you, uh, Martin. You want to sort of pitch us for the end? Okay. Um. Well. This was very insightful. I looked up the Will Ferrell film. It is on Netflix. So watch I can, it. I can mm-hmm. watch it. And he got nominated for a Golden Globe, which is, I know Golden Globes right now are, are very controversial, but in 2006, that's a pretty mm-hmm. good, that's a pretty big deal right there. Mm-hmm. But no, but this is fantastic. I feel like I've learned a lot. I know that when you mentioned about the uh, Mexican superheroes, I'm for sure going to go watch that one because I'm actually, I only, I only know Blue Beetle. To be honest, so for so for there to actually be like a five minute video on, it, I'm like, okay, this mm-hmm. can probably. I think I have out. like maybe maybe five or six maybe on Mexican characters right now. Oh, so nice. there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna go expand my knowledge on that. But no, this has been super insightful and super exciting. And I think the best part is we were able to cover so much, but there's always opportunity to do more. Mm-hmm. You know, like for a future episode to discuss like further topics into more depth. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was mm-hmm. super fun. Yeah. yeah, and you're always, you know, like all, all of our other guys, you're always welcome <laughs> back anytime. I mean, um, definitely remember us when we become famous because, uh, you know, we'll be here still <laughs> developing. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much, Adam. Um, and definitely I encourage our listeners to find him on, you know, his social medias, his YouTube channel, and we'll put that in the um, description of our um, podcast. But until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and continue to take care of others as well. This is the Taste of Meeting, and we'll catch you next time.